Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way. Love is what you Hi, this is Dr. It. Joe Luciani along with my daughter and co-host Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm okay. You know, but sometimes it's tough being human, huh? Mm, yeah, sometimes I wish I could be a golden retriever. A golden retriever. Yeah, I just feel like they have a really simple joyful life they get all their needs met they're friendly they're kind mm. i don't know no stress that's a it's a great kind of roshark i mean what animal would you like to be <laughs> i i don't think many people would say a slug or uh, some kind you know what a slug is yeah of course oh, oh okay good i don't think many people would like that a slug sometimes i feel like a slug ah you feel like sometimes <laughs> you feel like a slug sometimes you don't well uh i think i'd be i think i, I would like something with wings i would like to fly mm. that would be cool yeah but you still you're gonna still have some stress in your life if you're like a bird of prey mm. i remember once i had a dream and it was so real. It was one of those lucid dreams where I, and to this day, I could feel it. I'm feeling it right now. All I had to do was kind of lift up my chest and push up with my arms. And I was able to actually leave the ground. And I was kind of flying through the Hudson River Valley. It was the coolest thing. Did you ever have mm. those dreams? Flying dreams? Yes. <laughs> Super person dreams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But sometimes... It feels like we're stuck in a jungle of insecurity. You know what I mean? It's all about emotional vulnerability, fear of making mistakes, uncertainty, anxiety, social survival, anxiety, competition, loss, abandonment. That's Ooh. the jungle that we find ourselves in from time to time. I think I'd and rather be in the real jungle. <laughs> Jeez. Which brings us mm -hmm. to our topic for today's podcast. And yeah. that topic is when life feels like a jungle, a psychological survival guide. You know, Lauren, back around 200,000 years ago, our brains had evolved enough to equip us to survive the harsh jungles of Africa. But today, we're learning and adapting to survive a different challenge, a kind of what I'm going to call today a psychological jungle. And I hope you'll come along to this way of thinking, because I know for you, Correct me if I'm wrong, but for you, you don't see the light, the world as a jungle, do you? I don't see the world as a jungle anymore, but I can definitely relate to that metaphor because there were times when I did sort of react as if uh -huh. there were stressors all around and yeah, uh -huh. lived in that sort of fight and flight mode. All right. So maybe this, this song I'm going to play a few bars will remind you of uh, exactly where you stand either in the jungle or not in the jungle are you ready oh i am ready here we go
think? I mean, this is uh, uh, pretty scary stuff, right? You know, I guess so, except for the fact that the lion is sleeping in this song, so it should be okay. Well, what do you think that means? How do we apply that? If the lion is asleep, I mean, still, a, are there lions in our lives? Well, I guess if we were to talk about the modern psychological jungle, then there are probably a ton of sleeping lions all over the place, uh, like stressors from work, responsible, oh gosh. <laughs> Yep. Um, scary noises in the background, <laughs> responsibilities, all of those things I think can cause stress and can cause us to sort of go into that fight or flight mode. But um, but you can learn to not wake the lions and to sort of live your life. Right. So that's what we want to avoid. <laughs> I do that? Can I do that throughout the podcast today? Would you mind? Yeah, sure. I'm just going to mute you. It's so much dead. fun doing animal noises. We should You're actually moving doing... your entire body as you do that. <laughs> I'm enjoying watching you through the screen. <laughs> can we can we do a whole podcast on animal noises? Um, sure. I'm pretty... oh. Wow. You're really bringing the jungle to life here. <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of the jungle. Yes. You know, Way back when, uh, our brains, as I said before, you know, we were adapted. You know, cave people, they just knew how to handle things. Um, but that was from a survival, you know, a very primitive part of our mind. We were these cave people. Mm. And, uh, and I like to, I know it's silly, but I'd like to bring in one more song. It's, it's from way back when I was a kid. Um, so you probably have never heard of it. And you probably have never heard of Ali Oop. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. I've heard of it as a basketball term, but not as a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a basketball term. Ali Oop was a comic book, a uh, comic strip. Oh, no, it was a comic book back in the 50s. And Ali Oop was this, this caveman. And uh, I guess in the late 50s, the song Ali Oop came out. And since we're talking about how we handled survival back then compared to survival today and how it's gone from the physical survival to the psychological survival. I thought I'd like to play a few bars of Ali Oop just, just to continue with the flavor of this podcast. All right. You don't mind, do you? No, I can't. Oh, you sound less than enthusiastic. <laughs> I love your songs. No, I'm 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 eagerly awaiting the sound. I mean, do you know how excited I am to bring back a little bit of my boomer past? Mm. You know, the lion sleeps tonight. You know, that was when I was in high school and now Ali Oop. Oh man, this is this is what it's all about for me. All right, so, let's do it. This millennial is ready. Hey, listen, if you have millennial songs that are as engaging as my songs each week, please, you know, I'm I'm all ears. Oh, it's going to be a showdown. Yeah, I'd like to see Beat Ali Oop, though. Well, here we go. Let me just play it and then we'll get Yeah, to the enough with the build up. Well, this cat's name is Ali He got a chauffeur that's a genuine dinosaur. And he can knuckle your head before you count too far. Got a big ugly club and a head full of howl. So um, I'm going to knuckle your head before you count to four if you don't watch out today. 
Wow, that's a threat. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess we can get in trouble for saying things like that. But, you know, this is I'm I'm just talking as if I were (laughs) Aliyup. I'm not much of an Aliyup father, right? No, no, no. You're just role playing. That's okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about this this concept today about you know being in the I I I would like to distinguish between feeling that we're in this psychological jungle and whatever lions uh, exist in that jungle and and maybe uh, comparing that to the garden or garden bliss let's call it uh, jungle stress versus garden bliss mm. can we talk a little about that sure. Yeah, I well, I think it really is that that state of survival, which is what kind of happens when you're a cave person in the jungle, which is the way our brains were evolved. And so we do have the tendency to sometimes revert to that way of being, which is to kind of experience that fight or flight sensation. And it might not even be, you know, full on physical reaction. But if your brain is feeling overly stressed, which is a product of today's crazy world, um, you kind of are living in that uh, survival mode. So it it can you, can, you can be there without even totally realizing it. If your day-to-day life is filled with stress and responsibility and there's no time for joy or relaxation, then you really are functioning from more of like the primitive part of the brain, even though you might be accomplishing your mm. tasks and, um, you know, elevating your experience, but you're not actually, you know, reaping the benefits of the joy of being human. Yeah, you know, reaping the benefits. I mean, that's important. You know, I, I always look at, you know, life itself, time. Time's a funny thing. I mean, it's just an abstraction. What is time? You know, we all have just so much time. I always imagine like we're on a ride, on a, a carnival ride, and everyone and everything in, the, in our universe right now, in this moment, is we're all on this ride together, which which kind of joins us together, which is kind of a nice image. So we're all on this ride and we all at one point will get off the ride and we've got to enjoy that ride. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's, it's not like we're standing in line waiting to get on the ride and it's not like the ride is over. We're on the ride. This is our ride existence right now. It's a good, exhilarating. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you're kind of a spontaneous person, always were. Remember last week's podcast that you were designated as uh, Saturday night at the Bijou by your kindergarten teacher? <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, spontaneity is your middle name. Yeah, I think spontaneity comes with with a level of trust. And I I was lucky enough to have like a divine childhood. So I had innate trust. Divine. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, really, most people don't have the type of childhood that that I was lucky enough to have. So I didn't have any reason to, to distrust. So I was able to really be be and and I never really entered that survival mode until probably around college time when I had to start managing responsibilities and that's when I think I started to understand that the jungle also existed and I had a taste of the garden and the jungle and I needed to learn how to escape the jungle because that was not where I wanted to exist. Well let me ask you an impossible question and that is I mean I, I appreciate and I'm delighted to hear that you feel your early life was a divine life. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's, that's terrific. But try to try to just step out of your own shoes for a second. And 
what what about a, a child growing up in the opposite you know not a divine life but but a, a life that is typified by a jungle life you know uh, dysfunctional parents alcoholism drugs all those kind of crazy terrible horrible things that children do unfortunately grow up in mm -hmm. um, so what do you think about growing up in the jungle does that maybe sometimes harden you and make you a better person or do you think that's something that you wind up uh, later in therapy for or both yeah i think it depends uh, well they say that the people that have the most hardships are the ones that are most likely to awaken to this world of peace on the other side so they have the motivation to seek out another way which is an advantage that they actually have but also you know if they if they don't get to that point of of seeking for more i think there's an innate tendency to focus on danger because they've had to do that in order to survive. And so when you're focusing so much on danger, you miss opportunity and it's, you know, it's difficult to see solutions, to take risks, to be spontaneous. When And I think that when somebody's living in that state of survival, it kind of leads to this attack or retreat sort of mentality so you're either going to be aggressive towards something or you're going to shy away exactly oh my gosh um but oh my gosh i don't know what to do with you um it, the antithesis of that like once you can rise above the survival mode you can find um more connection like a way to communicate and embrace life as opposed to trying to attack it or retreat from it so i think that you know for all people but especially people that have experienced hardships um you know understanding that there is another way mm. I, I i think understanding that there's another way is is a profound um you know just uh, acknowledgement because basically it's when when you don't have that that perspective that there's another way you're trapped you're a victim and a victim by definition is someone who feels powerless there's always another way right mm -hmm. so let me ask you a very important question can i don't can we expect to ever really escape the jungle aspects of life is i mean is that a realistic expectation do you think people are, are saying until i have that perfected life I, I i won't be happy i mean can we ever really expect to escape the jungle i think we can expect to escape the jungle i don't know that we can escape the lions or the tigers or whatever is sort of creeping in and around but right <laughs> but we can learn to deal with it as i'm learning to deal with your um, explosive animal noises you can't eliminate the challenges uh, a dental appointment uh, a bill that didn't get paid a bounce check these are like nodes and what you have to do is you have to live in between those nodes and I think that's that's where maybe you and I are focusing on that there's going to be stressors. Let's face it. I just can't believe there can be a life without stress. Uh, I just can't believe it. I think there has to be circumstantial issues in everyone's life. So what you can do is when you are in between those stressors, don't be involved with the stressor to come or the stressor that just passed. Yeah. But all too often, when we're in between circumstantial stressors, 
of course, we we forget and we're more or less keeping the stressors alive when they don't need to be. And and obviously, there are certain stressors you cannot escape. But in in typical everyday life, stress comes, stress goes, same with challenges and bills and dental and doctor appointments, all that stuff comes and goes. What are we doing in between those nodes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they say it's not so much what happens to you, but how you react to what happens to you. Exactly. So while I agree that stress is unavoidable, we don't necessarily have to look at it as stress. Um, I know some people that when they're most busy and they're most taxed, they actually use it as an opportunity to notice their own they almost play a game with themselves. Like, how can I make this fun, even though it doesn't feel that way? Or how can I find moments in this crazy experience I'm having to find moments of gratitude, moments of joy? Uh, So I don't buy it when people say like, I'm too busy and I'm so stressed that, you know, I don't have anything that I enjoy in my life. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's a choice because there's always a way to find a moment here and there to fill up. It's the old lemons to lemonade. You know, I always say when you have, you know, everyone has a glass half full, half empty. And it all, no one's glass is totally filled all the time. It's always more or less, and it averages out to half filled, half empty. What part of the glass do you focus on? If you're only seeing the negative, then you're not seeing the positive. Mm-hmm. So, so it really is important when, when someone gets into that negative place, that mindset where you become just totally absorbed by the darkness of your life, those are times where you've lost the perspective that there are other options, that there is, there is another part of that glass that's half empty. You're just not looking at it. So when, when things are, are darker, these are the times where you have to work a little bit harder to, to as you say, to kind of look at the perception and realize that there are options. You know, if you can't get in the front door, well, how about the side door? And if not the side door, the back door. And if that doesn't work, how about the window? And if that mm-hmm. doesn't work, burn down the house. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and focusing on the negatives is something that people tend to do when they're in that survival state. And obviously that's a survival mechanism. If you're paying attention to what's negative and what's not going well and not going right, it's going to help you protect yourself against it. But, uh, the truth is like, if you just shift your perspective, like you're saying, looking at the positive that can help. And I love the metaphor so much about uh, when you go to a buffet, you don't, you know, pass by the tuna fish salad that you hate and put it on your plate anyway, and just focus on, I hate that they have tuna fish salad here. Um, You just skip over it and you look for all the things you do like, and you focus on the food in this massive buffet that you enjoy. And you put that on your plate. You don't spend time staring at the food that you don't want. You only focus on the things that you do want. And um, that's kind of the way that you can look at life too. Like let's just ignore the things that are negative, let them be there, deal with them, but don't spend extra time focusing on them look for the look for the good things and it'll attract more good things yeah i like tuna salad but (laughs) sorry yeah um the thing is that you're right the negatives will be there and maybe maybe we have to yield a bit to the reality of life the inevitability of life rather than resist certain things going to work for example someone that's mired in the corporate uh, world and working you know for 
umpteen hours a day and struggling with the commute and all the hassles that, you know, that person may have a hard time just yielding to the demands. But nevertheless, there's an advantage to at least trying to just not things that can't be changed, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And if something can't be changed, and you resist that, and you start stamping your feet and whining, why is this happening? I don't want to do this. And I don't want to go to work and all uh, you're, you're creating more stress and duress. So when something is not pleasant, when that jungle aspect of life is part of your daily life, it really behooves you to yield to that. Now, I'm not saying yield, you know, to being tortured or something like that. But what I am saying is that when it's inevitable, yielding is a great advantage as opposed to resisting. Do you mm. agree with that? Yeah, I think it also allows you to learn from difficulties and learn from stressors, because if we're so focused on how these situations or experiences are taxing us and making our lives difficult, then we just sort of get stay stuck in that low vibration thought. But if you can notice it and, and yield to it, you can actually learn something about yourself. You can learn how to handle it better. You can become a better version of yourself. The only way that you can improve is through experiencing difficulty. So I think that when it comes up in your life, instead of fighting against it, uh, you can be open to it and, and ask yourself, what is this teaching me and how am I growing here? Well, that's nice. What is this teaching me? There you go. That's, that's pretty solid advice. Because we could learn, you know, it's often said that we learn more from our mistakes and adversity than we do from our success, uh, I guess, because we get so focused on it, and it leaves such an imprint, but you're right, everything is a possible learning experience. And if everything is a learning experience, then everything helps us progress along this mm -hmm. path. Yeah, if you just think about, um, you know, working out in the gym, how to make your body stronger, you have to stress your body to make it stronger. Um, you have to use weights that are uncomfortable. You have to run a little farther than feels good. Uh, if you want to get stronger, you have to create stress for your body. It's the same thing in life. I used to always lift weights. And there's a phenomenon that only happens to baby boomers. <laughs> and that's that a 10 pound weight actually increases in weight over time it becomes heavier. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's so much harder to lift that 10 pound weight than it was 20 years ago. Huh, interesting. It's, you know, some... I think maybe maybe the, the ozone or something gets piled up on it and just increases the, the weight load of it or something. Must be a glitch in the physics system somewhere. So, you know, when, when, when that jungle is, is, you know, and we hear all around us, all those things that are threatening, you know, sometimes it's important to just tune out the outside noise. So let's talk a little bit about the noise of our lives, those things that create havoc, the noise, yeah. everything from, you know, watching negative TV, uh, getting ourselves stressed. What kind of noise do people fall prey to those things that tend to hurt us, bring us down? I, I do like the way you're referring to it as noise, because I've, I've read a lot about this idea of being very conscious of what you're allowing into your mm -hmm. body or into your experience, including obviously the things that you eat and drink. Those are the things we think about when we think about how we take care of our body, but also the, like you say, the things that we watch, the shows that we watch, the books that we read, all of the information that's going into our body is affecting our experience. So uh, just being 
aware, I guess, of the people you're surrounding yourself around. Are they Mm -hmm. bringing you joy? Are they elevating your experience? Because if not, maybe you want to choose differently. Yeah, Yeah, you know, that's the people that you're around. uh, Sometimes uh, we we are manipulated and we, we, we just maybe sometimes need to say no more often. No, I'd rather not do that. So sometimes the noise is getting involved in situations that we'd really not, rather not be involved in. We're so malleable sometimes because we don't want to hurt. And it's a touchy subject. How do, you, how do you take care of yourself when taking care of yourself goes against someone's, some other person's desire for you? Well, I think that for me, that answer is somewhat simple and twofold. The first part is going back to what we talked about in the beginning, which is we have a limited amount of time on earth and we want to try and make the most of it. So we have to do what's best for us. And the second part is realizing and understanding that if it's not best for us to give in to someone else's desires, and that's in some way hurtful for them, there's a lesson for that other person in our choice, meaning mm-hmm. like they have the opportunity to learn or grow because of our decisions. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're doing what's not in a selfish way, but as long as you're doing from a place of good intention, you're aligning to what feels good for you. The people around you will also hopefully at some point do the same and grow from in their own way. Mm-hmm. I just think there's room for growth in every experience for every person. And if you are acting from a place of integrity and alignment that, you know, other people's reactions and responses are their own responsibility. And if I'm acting from a place of integrity and someone is opposed to that, well, maybe, you know, chemistry is chemistry. Maybe some relationships are just not good for us. Maybe maybe sometimes we have to realize, you know, we, we pursue people that maybe bring us down, cause us stress leave us, you know, just feeling miserable, you know, maybe, maybe it it is time to sometimes realize that, you know, if you go to a grocery store, and you buy an apple, should the orange feel insulted? Of course not. (laughs) Chemistry is chemistry, because basically certain things resonate for certain people and don't for others. So sometimes being able to be selective in life, whether it be with people, whether it be the books you read or the music you listen to. But I do think we need to be selective because if you're an orange person or an apple person, you need to follow your path of appleness or orangeness, don't you? Yes. What, what are you? What, what is your fruit? Are you, what, would, what fruit would you be? I would be a... Mm, I know what I would be. I was going to say a grapefruit, but they're kind of sour. But they're also sweet. I might be a grapefruit. I would be a tomato. Is a tomato a fruit? It is. Oh. And it is the staple of every Italian meal. Mm. I love tomatoes. I used to remember I used to plant them outside. Yeah, that's why I was thinking they were a vegetable. And then came the deer. Mm -hmm. We never had deer. We live in North Jersey and they started building upstate. We live near New York State. And as the building progressed upstate, the deer started to be pushed further south into my tomato garden. It's your own kind of jungle. There you go. Speaking of, up, is that, is that Gosh, your phone again? what happened? I really did turn my the... volume off. I don't understand. Oh, you want to get that? 
I'm sorry. Millennials get a lot of phone calls. You'll, you'll never, that'll never happen. Well, I shouldn't say that. It does happen to baby boomers. It's really, it's, it's, and it's not even, it's a, what, like a junk call. Sorry. I think, do you think baby boomers are, are trying too hard to be millennial like? And you being the, the consummate millennial with those two thumbs going, you, you text faster than I talk. I mean, it's just crazy. What were we just talking oh, the, oh, by the way, speaking the of animals, the deer that came down and, and, eat, and consumed my fruit. Yeah. Uh, we, we've had two times where a black bear walked down the center of the street. And this oh, is, right. you know, suburbia here. And, uh, and the police car was going around. Do not leave your home. Stay inside. You know what the first thing I did? I grabbed my camera and ran it to the bear. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I've got a great picture of that bear, I'll tell you. You obviously don't live in survival mode since you <laughs> went seeking the danger. Well, I just wanted a picture. I know. And I had a telephoto lens, so, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. <laughs> what about Yeah, but do you know, sorry, I was just going to say, because that's an interesting point. Like, if you really do live in in the state of survival mode, it's really difficult to take risks, right? Because, like... Mm -hmm chemically speaking your brain is trying to restrict you to hold you back to protect you so just generally in life I think people that are able to take risks are able to find more opportunities and find more joy but like you chasing after the bear you got a great picture but if you're living in a state of survival you are typically unable to get outside of your comfort zone it's just like you can't manage the fear yeah, around yeah. it you know it's interesting uh, yeah what you're saying when you're in that in that survival mode, the psychological survival mode, not the physical survival mode, our thinking, you know, suffers. I mean, actually, the actual IQ drops. Mm. I think it's 20 to 30 percent. That's called the fuzzy mind. You know, you don't you're not thinking the same way because that cortisol and all those fight flight chemicals are going on. So, yeah. so when you're, you're caught up in the intensity of sometimes some of those jungle experiences, not a great time to make big decisions, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> True. And the other problem, too, is it affects the part of your brain, the creative center. So when you're in that state, it's hard for you to imagine solutions to your problem. So it's hard to get out of whatever feels stuck. Yeah, you can't see it. it you know, and that's when, when you when you you can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> we have a lot of nature metaphors today. <laughs> <laughs> when you cannot, you know, and we had a debate uh, a couple of weeks ago whether uh, uh, whether it's the forest for the trees you, oh, can't you, see, you were right it? you were right it's the one that doesn't sound natural to me I, mom and I thought it was you can't see the forest through the trees right. but you are correct you, you can't, can't see, the, see forest the forest for, for the, trees. the trees which I just it don't understand very little sense but it is it is the way it goes mm -hmm. so you know just living our lives I love the 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 story of St. Francis of Assisi, who was hoeing his garden before the deer and the bear arrived. <laughs> and and he and a, a neighbor came by and said, what would you do if the world were to end today? And uh, St. Francis hit him over the head with the hoe. No, no, <laughs> that's not what he did. <laughs> he said, he you said, are out of control. So the neighbor said, what would you do if the world were to end today? And, and St. Francis said, I would continue hoeing my garden. Mm. So, that, you know, that, that's being really present because the world ending is an abstraction because in that moment, there was no ending of the world. 
So it's it's a good adage to to live by. It also shows that he was doing something that brought him joy, which we mm -hmm. you know that that was. Yes, and and when you when you talked just a minute ago about losing perspective, when when you're in that that jungle kind of uh, mode, it's really important to find a good thinking partner. You know, someone someone that you can really lean on a bit or confide in. Uh, whether it be just for emotional support or just clarity, how how easy it is for someone else to see the forest for the trees than it is for you when you, your nose is pressed up against that. Mm -hmm. So, so it, you know, if you have someone in your life, a close, a close friend, relative, husband, wife, it, it really helps to get an outsider's perspective. And I think that's what a lot of therapy is about. I know. I know. When I work with with patients, I've often thought that essentially what a psychologist does is he or she offers perspective, that that objective view. Because when when emotions take over, you know, we we are short sighted, and and that's that's where we can't focus on anything but the negatives, and the glass half full gets neglected. Mm -hmm. Also, a couple other things that. I think that the fear state or the survival mode state brings up in people is this uh, tendency to compare yourself to others, mm. um, which happens a, a lot when you are functioning from that place. You're having a, it's it's difficult to to recognize and celebrate your own unique gifts and talents. Like it's much easier to sort of. Uh, notice what other people have that you don't. It's like this state of noticing lack, um, which in our consumerist society, it's like almost the way that we're sort of forced to think sometimes that we don't have enough. And so we look to others and notice what they have. And it's this cyclical problem that I think happens a lot. But the antithesis to comparison is inspiration i think hmm. so like looking at someone if they do have something you want not looking at it as something that you can't have but noticing well how how did that person get that and and how can i get that too and to be inspired by others instead of you know um, degrading of them yeah and and that's as important i mean because i think there is a tendency or at least a child tendency in all of us uh, when we, when we we covet something that someone else has, the child in us wants what he or she wants when they want it. They don't want to have to wait, and it's like a magic wand. I want that, but but the reality is, if you really want something that you don't have, then there needs to be an adult and mature plan for how to proceed in terms of acquiring that which you don't have. But mm -hmm. what gets a lot of people in trouble is just almost an anger towards someone that possesses that. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, we don't. So we're, we're the one that's being denied. So we, we almost have a, an, an antipathy toward that person. Mm -hmm. When I teach jealousy to my students at school, we draw teach a ladder. Teach them to be jealous? <laughs> no, teach them not to be jealous, oh. to be inspired. But, but the feeling of jealousy is something that happens a lot, but people don't really talk about it because it's not a, you know, a proud feeling to have. But, but we draw the staircase and at the top of the staircase is the person or the thing that they're jealous of or the thing that they're wanting or comparing themselves to. And we always put that at the top of the staircase because they, when you're jealous or you're comparing yourself you are putting something else above you like something's more important mm -hmm. and then you put yourself at the bottom of the staircase and then the the 
the goal is how can you fill in each staircase with a with a action step to bring you closer to being like or having something like that person has because if you can sort of change your thinking a little bit and find a way to be inspired and work towards being more like someone else then comparison can actually be very healthy because it's it's a way to improve yourself yeah i didn't i never i, I just realized and maybe i'm just a little slow on the uptake but when you you started to talk about comparing ourselves to others and i, I didn't connect that to jealousy and when we make a comparison and we feel less than someone else, that's that's the root of all jealousy. So so jealousy really is is allowing ourselves to get in that to that you know comparison mode, where we're looking at what's lacking in us rather than looking at it from the more positive standpoint of that would be good for me to strive toward. Uh, that would be a nice goal. So the person that doesn't want to take responsibility for what they quote unquote lack, that person's going to feel jealous. The person that sees, comparatively speaking, in someone else a goal worth aspiring toward and takes mature, a mature approach towards, well, what can I do to obtain that myself? Well, that's, that seems to me like a, a very high level functioning person. Yeah, I think it's a good strategy because when we are in that state of overwhelm, it's easy to get caught in comparison and and to see, especially, I don't know, millennials with social media, you, it's so easy to see other people's experiences and automatically assume that everyone else's life is easier than yours or more successful or whatever it may be. Uh, but, you know, not falling into the trap of comparison is, is very important so that you don't perpetuate the feelings of lack. Yeah. Social media. Every time you say that, I just—it's ah, the curse of a baby boomer. You know, I, I look back to to when when I was in college and Mom and I were going out, and um, you know, you'd send a, a letter. You know, it would take three days to get to to her, and then if if I were lucky, she would answer, and <laughs> and, and three days later it would come back. So a whole week goes by. That was the speed of our social media of, of the time. And yet, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. Now you guys are instantaneous. You know, it's it's part of a new jungle. You know, there is a shadow side to, to most things in life. Yeah. There was a shadow side to sending a letter by mail, snail mail. And uh, there's a shadow side to instantaneous uh, social media and emails. And for me, the shadow side of, of all of this is that my life, there was so much more time available. I can't deny myself my emails and my computer blogging and all that stuff. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a boomer wannabe millennial and, and, and I'm trapped in that world now. So I'm learning something from this podcast and I have to really reflect on, am I really trapped or am I allowing my entrapment to persist? And if so, and I guarantee you, I'm going to start working on that concept because as you say, it's all about perception. And if, if I'm wanting more time, then wow, wow, wow. What are you going to do about it, Joe? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, uh, by the way, while we're talking, uh, do you know what time it is? <laughs> Speaking of time. Uh, yes. Is it pep talk time? It's pep talk. Yeah. Oh, it's self-coaching pep talk. And 
Today's it's self-coaching pep talk time. And today's today's not a good day. I have to go to work. I have to do the bills. Before you resign yourself to just getting through another day, recognize what you're doing. For starters, you're conceding that today won't be an opportunity for anything worthwhile. We call this a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you tell yourself and what you believe is what you become. So stop prejudicing yourself with a short-sighted, pessimistic attitude. And instead, open yourself up to the awareness that every day, in spite of your whining, is an opportunity, an adventure. And the truth is, you don't know what may be around the next corner. And as the saying goes, when the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I get a, I get a little too exuberant there. No, I, I thought you were really crying at first. I was like <laughs> trying to figure out why today wasn't a good day. It's not a good day. But it was all part of the act. So today's a good podcast. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, here we go to my favorite part of our podcast. Lauren. Oh, gosh. Oh, why do I never think about this ahead of time? <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> I, I've been wondering the same thing. Lauren, do you have any closing remarks? You know what? I do, actually. Oh. My closing remark is that I feel like I go into survival mode when I get put on the spot. Like, do you have any closing remarks? Because I feel like I'm supposed to say something really <laughs> potent and powerful and I don't. And so I often <laughs> freeze. And that happens to me sometimes in life too. And I feel like I'm supposed to perform uh, without like a natural flow. So I, I would just, my closing remarks are that I think that your brain and body can go like in and out of both survival mode and not survival mode like in the jungle and in the garden yes. like we said earlier and I think having awareness around that is really most important because when you realize you're in the jungle you can use the tools to get yourself out but if you don't realize you're there then then you're stuck fantastic is that good that's fantastic I mean not is that good does that make sense <laughs> No, it's it's bad. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm going to, I have my own last word today. I'm sure you do. And actually, which is not typical for me, but I'm going to read something. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a, just two verses from a poem by Rose Milligan. It happens to be one of my favorite poems on earth. And if you if you haven't heard this poem, please Google it. It's called Dust If You Must. And I'm just going to read the last two stanzas. Dust If You Must. But there's a world out there with the sun in your eyes and the wind in your hair, a flutter of snow, a shower of rain. This day will not come around again. Dust if you must, but bear in mind, old age will come and it's not kind. And when you go and go, you must. You yourself will make more dust. I hate that last stanza. Well, the, the point is, hey, guys. Um, if you're compulsively living your life, you better take heed because the ride eventually ends. And I know that's a dark way to end this podcast, but hopefully it is an, an inspiration to dive into life today, this moment. And like St. Saint, Saint Francis, pick up that hoe and, you know, let's just get uh, getting those tomatoes out. Mm. Okay.
I know it was I a little guess. dark. You I probably mean, want you probably want me to delete that, right? No, you can leave it. It's just like a bummer. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. Hey, you can't end every podcast on a high note. Well, you, you kind of can when you have a positivity podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so from now on, people, dust if you must. No dusting over here. <laughs> so anyway. And visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my latest number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me every week. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart.